Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. This edition of the Kellen and Alex Show was recorded in June of 2020. And this podcast, we get into globalism and patriotism. And uh, what, what does it mean to be patriotic? What does it mean to resist globalism and global control, the role of corporations, and especially the mainstream media, and the increased liberalization of the media? We get into cancel culture and all sorts of stuff in this edition of the Kellen and Alex Show. Mr. Callum. What is up, everybody? What's up, y'all? How you guys doing? Want this peanut? Uh, Konnichiwa, you magnificent bastards. <laughs> Want this peanut? Great to see you. Great to see all of you guys here. Uh, destroying global- globalism. That's what we're talking about today. Bro, it, it's time for globalism to be destroyed for good. So some of our old school listeners want this peanut probably included in that. Uh, one of the things we covered a while back ago was Trump's speech to the United Nations and it was quite a fire-powered speech. I mean, it was no holds barred, came right out. Um, and really, he, uh, one line, the future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. And I think if you nail, let's say, Trump's um, influence on the world and his what he represents is you can sum it up with the make America great again, America first mentality. Um which you know is completely antithetical to, let's say, Obama era, Clinton era, even you could argue George W. Bush, and kind of a global elite mentality. Um, and last week we covered Vigano's letter to Trump that Trump retweeted, uh, and it was very interesting to see. Obviously, a you know a high prelate in the church, an archbishop, come straight out and call Trump, you know, fighting on the side against the deep state. Yes, sir. Um, Okay, but before we get any further, um, so a lot of people took umbrage at the fact that an archbishop would come out and be so, let's say, pro-Trump. You know, like, why does a bishop come out and be so political? Yeah, what did, what did you think about Vigano writing a full, you know, it's a pro-Trump, it's a pro-Trump letter. You can really tell he's very encouraged by, he calls, he says, you know, I, Vigano, and you, Trump, we're on the same side in all of this. So what was your initial reaction to a bishop saying this? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Trump is the leader of the free world, right? The president of the United States of America. And it was really cool to see Vigano write him a letter, you know, personally, like addressing him and like his duty as president, you know what I mean? To lead the American people. Um, I thought it was really cool that Vigano talked about you know, how he said, you know, Trump is like here, he's standing in the middle of the fire. You know what I mean? He's the light that lights you out of, that, you know, guides you out of the fire. And he was just talking to him about how it's your duty and your responsibility to lead the American people out of this time of, of darkness, you know, the, like the, the children of light and the children of darkness, you know, we are the children of light, the, just the regular folk, you know what I mean? And it was really cool how he was just really acknowledging Trump and telling him, you know, as a perspective of advice to how to lead America into a better, better area right now that it's in because of, you know, all the rioting and the looting, everything that's going on, that's disrupting the, you know, American mentality of of patriotism and, and peace and law and order really how the archbishop gave Trump that letter to kind of give him as a guidance as to what, what to do in times like this, you know, as advice coming from a religious perspective Um, and Trump's, you know, he's not, he's not necessarily working from a religious perspective, 
but he is trying to put that influence that he believes in onto the nation um, to guide it into a better spot um, that we're in right now, because we are in trouble right now. We, you know, there's turmoil, there's the coronavirus, and there's also just all this stuff going on with <clears throat> George Floyd and it was really ongoing. Cool to see. There's still more stuff. We had the Atlanta yeah, shooting they're... recently. So that was the, you know, the guy who uh, mm-hmm. stole the taser gun and then ran away and had pointed it at him and the Atlanta cop shot him and he died. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I've, I've been listening to, you know, conservative commentators who've been talking about, let's say Corona, they've been talking about um, obviously these protests. And one of the things that, and I believe Rush Limbaugh is the main one I listen to. He's got like 50 million listeners or whatever other conservative commentators and they all kind of point to they point to kind of two things this kind of globalist elites um the media the mainstream media these elites and then the second ones they point to is this generational gap that there's these younger people these college-age students who are all you know our age people who are all disgruntled and mad at the system and they're mad at you know systemic racism they're mad at systemic um you know, hatred against minorities or transgenders or whatever. So uh, another thing, you know, for our Twitch viewers, um, you've probably seen the Supreme Court decision that just came out that basically says that the 1964 Civil Rights Act can be applied to transgenderism and also to sexual orientation. So if you get fired and you're a transgender, you can say, um, if you think it was because you were a transgender, you can take them to court, you can take your employer to court. Further, if you're, you know, gay or whatever else, um, so, I mean, we've seen this whole, you know, there's there's like two, there seems to be two sources they're pointing to, right? It's the globalist elites, it's the, you know, uh, mainstream media, and then on the other hand, it's this younger generation of people who have, let's say, accepted everything the mainstream media has said, and then these are the two forces, and then you have like the average American who's, you know, perhaps older or whatever else, who just wants to, you know, live free and live America first. Um yeah. Do you see it as being those two, like are those two groups? Is it too simplified? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, <clears throat> definitely like when we address, you know, the topic of globalism, I mean, this is something like in Trump's, you know, letter addressed to the union. Um, he was just talking about, you know, how, why at the, at the core of, <clears throat> of the American spirit that it's anti-globalist and just the reason why, that America thrives the way that it does. I mean, to some extent, it's in part of globalism, like with, you know, big companies that are making all this, all sorts of money, their stocks are just raising. I mean, it's because of like, they're, they're, I mean, they're joining in in the globalist society, but the people down low, like the, you know, common business owners and, and doctors and lawyers and all those kind of people, those people that are embracing the heart of patriotism and are working towards a better good, that, in my opinion, outweighs the money aspect. You know what I mean? Like that the globalist elites are making. It contributes to the American spirit. And that's something that I found that was really, really uh, interesting was that these small business owners are the ones that are, you know, propelling the American spirit, just like the family. Like you were saying. That Vigano was talking about, like, there are people who just want to have a good, you know, a family and a small business and, and and that's like you know that's the heart of the american of the american spirit is just the family and, and what drives and i mean that's what drives america is when other nations look at us they see um a family they see a group you know a group of people together 
And that is what really propels, I think, the American spirit is at the core of it, is, is how our structure is within our lives. And, you know, really starting with the family. Yeah, it has to be like, and what do the global elites want, but a diminishing of, let's say, the family, a diminishing of anything that's going to stand in the way of more control. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, going back to going back to Trump's address to the UN, uh, he says the free world must embrace its national foundations. It must not attempt to erase them or replace them. Um, and we're seeing that, I mean, with. I mean, you just look at this court case that just came up, uh, these textualist positions or whatever, they're basically rewriting laws that happened in the past, right? So if you guys aren't aware, um, this was the 1964 Civil Rights Act was passed that, you know, said you couldn't, you know, fire people because of their race or because of their sex, right? But what has recently happened, the Supreme Court has ruled that that applies to transgenders and it also applies to, you know, other sexual orientations. Now, Congress, you know, like they're the ones who make the laws, right? And then the judges are supposed to interpret them. But what they're doing here is they're interpreting them and um, basically making a new law through interpreting an old law badly, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're they're not mm-hmm. saying this law was supposed to be interpreted for this, you know, according to what it says at that time. Like transgenderism wasn't an issue at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're yeah. basically circum circumventing the whole um, law making process and going straight to, um. This applies to today, right? And, and the big, the big upset for conservatives was Gorsuch was one of the ones who supported this, this mm-hmm. move. Um, this wasn't even an issue before. And like, like if we're going to start abandoning constitutional separation of powers and just pushing things through like this, I mean, we've seen it with Supreme Court decisions before, like the Supreme Court taking more control. I mean, we've, mm-hmm. I think we've both been very critical of how far, you know, the executive branch has taken. Uh, let's say the executive branches of state governments have taken shutdowns and stuff like who gave them the power to do all these emergency controls and stuff. Um, we have to embrace the national, our national foundations, constitutionality, freedoms, liberties, whatever else. And global elites and disgruntled, you know, young people, perhaps um, we're trying to just tear apart of those so we can make some new revolutionary new world system, whatever. No, it is. I, I totally agree. It's like, it's like a step-by-step degradation of, of the American, you know, what we value, you know, our separation of powers, our nationalism, our law and order. I mean, in, in the debates that in the Republican primaries, Trump was um, talking about how America is a country of law and order. We have a law He's tweeted it like four times in a row. I have know. you seen it? And, so he'll and tweet have, it yeah. and then he'll retweet himself <laughs> yeah. like two days later. Uh, I've seen that. Yeah, guys, and, uh, do you support law and order? Twitch chat, let us know. Do you support law and order? Do you like chaos? <laughs> or do you like anarchy? You, you like know? anarchy. You could be. Are there some anarchists in the chat? You know, maybe we're, we're watching. We'll, we see you. We'll ban you and we'll show you that anarchy doesn't work. But uh, no. <laughs> Want this um, peanut? Ban any of the anarchists in chat. All right. Anyways. Well, as I stated, you know, when we were back at school, probably, this is probably like six months ago, I stated how, you know, I, I made I made a stupid argument as how anarchy could somehow survive, could, you know, human person can thrive off of anarchy. I mean, you probably could, obviously. I mean, a lot of people get what they want when it comes to anarchy, but that was a dumb Dude, argument. Move to Montana. <laughs> you can have all the anarchy you want. You can live in the woods. I'm telling you, this is the dream. And Twitch chat, you guys oh, know it. No. The dream is Montana. I will 
not go clean shaven again. All you people are like, well, Alex looks so much better clean shaven without his massive beard. All right. Well, when I moved to Montana, it's coming back. All right. And this is a win, not an if. All right. And um, oh, I'm probably no. going to have the ATF knock on my door because I'm going to have a stockpile of like 500 weapons. But uh, it's Montana. Who's going to who's going to care? You know what I mean? We got to go. We had a, beautiful, we had a beautiful quote from uh, Karrion Fedorov. He said, you can't vote anarchy, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> you can't vote anarchy. Carrie, well, you hit okay. it right on the spot, buddy. Uh, I mean, Seattle, go, Seattle seems to be very, uh, very in tune with anarchy. And any people from Seattle in the chat, which would be Kate Rillin, Uh She's in the Kate chat Rillin. from from Seattle. I was dissing, dissing it in another chat. I said I wanted to create a uh, Franciscan autonomous zone in the uh, in the JC. <laughs> And just set it up. No professors, no teachers, no uh, no staff. Oh, Everything's no. free. Obviously, it's all peaceful, you know. Um, well, you know, there was an interesting. There was a guy who called into the Rush Limbaugh show. <laughs> he was a, a, a police officer for like twenty years or something like that. And he said, "Like you got to think as a cop. What's your motivation for what you're doing?" He said, "Your motivation isn't technically to enforce the law. Your motivation is to keep the peace." Like a military goes on missions, you know what I mean? As a military person, you you have a mission, you go accomplish mission, right? That's the reason why like Afghanistan and Iraq were such, you know, uh, I almost cussed, uh, crap shows in their own in their own right in a lot of ways because there was really, what was the mission, right? We can go back to this globalist policy stuff, you know. Um, I mean, the real mission was take Middle Eastern oil and have a global hegemony that's in the middle east because russia wants the oil i mean that's the real mission but no one no one wants to go to war for that right so you you convince that it's terrorism and that we're trying to find people um oh dude we should talk some 9-11 talk that'd be crazy um but but um no that's where so i just lost my train of thought Anyways, 9-11, we, we, we went there, global hegemony. Yeah, no, um, uh, that's, I did, I completely lost my thing. Anyways, law, law and order. Let's just go back to that. Law and order. Okay. So anyways, I mean, what this globalist idea is, is that it wants to slowly corrode the American spirit and that, you know, is targeting the family. And when we have a country that we're made of law and order, uh, we cannot start having corruption in our government that sl- is slowly going to disband what we said, like our, you know, our nationalism and our law and order. We can't start having these things that, oh, you know, we'll let it slip this time. But, you know, you know, just certain kind of exceptions that we should not allow. Uh, we don't want that kind of stuff infiltrating our government. Um, and that's why I really reject globalism. And uh, my sister. Uh, she is more of a globalist fan, um, but you know we've Old had our, we've had our reasonable <clears throat> we, we've had our reasonable discussions. Um, but I know she's nationalistic too, and, and her and you know her husband is in the military and in the navy, so um, I know she has a high respect for nationalism. But I just think that this notion of you know globalism um, that we don't want that to the point where it's going to really start infiltrating the American spirit. Like Trump said, we embrace the spirit of patriotism and nationalism over globalism. We are America. We are the greatest nation in the world. And we take charge through our patriotism and nationalism in foreign and domestic affairs. 
And, you know, so it's, it's something that we adhere to. It's something that we believe in. It's something that we can visualize in our daily day-to-day life. And, you know, just even going out and putting the American flag out in front of your house, you know, on, you know, on just a stand or whatever, and just little things like that really show what the American spirit is. And that's patriotism and nationalism, not globalism. America, we don't want to, you know, submit to globalist ideas. You know what I mean? We want to, you know, we were born and bred for people that came over into this country and worked their butts off to make a living. And, you know, we're scraping by and things like that. Like my parents did. My parent, my grandpa came from Switzerland. My grandpa or my grandma came from Italy and they came over and went through, came through Ellis Island and really didn't even know how to speak English and just made their way through. And my grandpa started working for um, some, I think, construction company or something. And, uh, and so, you know, they worked their tails off and really made a living and, you know, really helped me with uh, paying for college and things like that. So that's the American dream, right? It's the American dream. Yeah. And globalists don't want you to have that. Yeah, they don't want you to have an American dream. It wants to be, you know, um, yeah, they're convincing you not to have an American dream. Like, because hmm. what, what, there's more. What do contr- you want to do? Like, who would you want to be if you didn't? If you didn't have a dream, I don't know what I'd want to do. Like, I mean, what what would I what would I be striving towards? What would I be working to? What would I be wanting to accomplish? You know what I mean? Hmm. I didn't have a dream. Like, I have a dream. I want to become a professional sportscaster someday. That's my dream. You want to become a philosopher that lives in the back, Bro, the back did you country hear, of Montana. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Who grows his beard out and is not a chicken who shaves. But did you hear? <laughs> did you hear? Okay. Twitch chat as well. Um, <laughs> well, this peanut says lay on your bum and collect unemployment. That's exactly. That's my dream. That's my dream. If I can you be, go, you know, yeah, free money's great when you're receiving free it. Not great, when, but is it though? But is it though? I mean, yeah. Anyways, but did you hear about, and Twitch chat, did you guys hear about the announcer? at um what sacramento kings sports announcer Mm. announcer for forever who got fired he got fired fired for saying someone tweeted you know uh you know announcer guy do you support black lives matter and he tweeted back all lives matter he got fired napier yeah grant napier grant napier you guys can look this up he got fired for saying all lives matter he never Mm -hmm. said he never said anything against Black Lives Matter. He's never said anything, but he just said all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Now, perhaps yeah. you could. I mean, and he got fired. His his job fired him. Like we're seeing he companies, too. Camp, companies are legend. adopting cancel culture, like mad. And this is playing into the hands. Okay, so we gotta we gotta go back. We gotta define our terms. I, I'm sure our Twitch viewers are like globalism. These guys are crazy. What are they talking about? <laughs> it's got a history to it, you know. Like you. Yeah. You look in the 19 like okay, so we have let's say the story of imperialism of the 1800s of these, you know, you're starting to have a burgeoning global economy and global hegemony with European countries taking over um large parts of Africa, they're opening up trade in China, Japan ends up getting opened up by force by the Americans showing up in war warships. Um, and you're starting to have this this global, you know, Britain conquers India and takes all their <laughs> resources out of India. And so you're having this mad dash of European nations trying to make as much money as possible from all the resources to be found around the world. That's the reason why you go to these European countries and they have these, you know, 
beautiful cities and you know all, all the stuff that they've resources that they've accumulated over time. You go to the British Museum in London or uh, the Louvre in in Paris, and they have all this Egyptian stuff and all this whatever stuff because they went out and they took these things, you know, through imperialism. Then you have the World War One and World War Two. And in World War II, you have this, um, you know, this strong movement of over-nationalism to try and conquer the world with the Nazis, the Japanese also, uh, fascism, uh, you know, Italy and Mussolini. And uh, the U.S. and the Allies are are trying to, you know, stop that and do their own thing. And then afterwards, you have this like, you know, the U.S. and Russia are still going at it with the global dominance. But you have this emergence of... Um, a kind of global control that's not as plain as our nation's going to conquer your nation and we're going to now own it. Now it's, you know, our companies and corporations are going to have large holdings in an African country and then dethrone some sovereign prince if they want to. The CIA is going to play a role in overthrowing governments that have bad trade deals in South America. You know, you look at Venezuela, you look at other South American countries. You, you start a kind of covert, um, either the U.S. government does it for the interest of U.S. economy or, you know, these other European nations where it's a, um, yeah, they're, they're toppling the sovereignties of certain nations. They're, and you're, you're establishing this global dominance through trade deals, through phony wars, through all sorts of different, um, like the Middle East has been torn up because of oil. Africa has been torn up with civil wars and with rebellions because of all the resources they're sitting on. And so imperialism never stopped. It just And the nationalism stuff never really stopped. It just kind of flipped. You had Obviously, you had the Russians going communist and doing that whole project. Um, but yeah, it's for this dominance. But what we're seeing with globalism is, you know, big money is trying to um, erase national pride and national things that are standing in the way of a uh, a global trade and global um yeah controlling populations controlling birth rates controlling um you know diseases whatever else um and they're they're getting they're they're influencing politicians to not stand for their own country and our own people but to stand for turning a profit and making, you know, more global type control, which is the reason why Trump, who's standing for America and who's standing for our interest, is um, completely antithetical to that whole that whole movement and momentum. And he puts it right in his UN speech um, as plain as day. And he's inspired countless movements towards putting your nation first, which, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't yeah, be called America for in the 1940s, first. right? Because Obviously, you know, you could argue Hitler's was Germany first. It was just and then kill everyone else and dominate them that that during that time period, you wouldn't have a let's do an America first. You wouldn't need it. But now we're in a time where global control is um, is the motivation. And so now Trump's standing in the way and trying to return to a America first mentality. Well, it's like it's like it's, it's an America it's almost like an America versus the world, but it's, it's really like a Trump versus the world. You know what I mean? It's like, he's, he's the one standing up to it and saying nationalism and patriotism comes first before globalism, our country first, we're going to worry about our country first before we worry about, worry about other countries and and their problems and how we can help them. Like, like we need to help our country, you know, make our country 
there's so much stuff going on right now in our country that's not good. We're not we're not really unified right now. And and we need somebody to stand in there and unite us because look, you and me we can do our part but we can't we don't have the power that Trump what? does. You know I mean? we, we, You're we saying can, the Kellen and Alex part. show won't look, solve globalism? <laughs> going to come out this way. Okay, you know what? Look, look, we got plenty of listeners, guys, but listen. 2,000 are listening right now. Look, you guys are nuts. Look, you guys are nuts. We right, can't, the Kellen and Alex show can't issue an executive order, okay? We, we can't do that kind of stuff, all right? What? I mean, I wish we could. We should be what? given special. <laughs> Crazy. We should be given special privilege to. You should, give, man executive orders and we would make this country conservative again <laughs> well not again. just like yeah i mean i have like well i first want to see what this peanut says america versus itself versus the world yeah i know there's been some good news <laughs> about that <laughs> um but like there's there's like two there's when i'm discussing these things <clears throat> there's like uh there's two things floating around my head which is one is like take your position and then just say conservative and try and fight. And the other one's like, you know what? The world's going to hell anyways. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like those two thoughts are just like in, it's, it's one of those like angel demon things. Like I tell your neck, you know, and I think a lot of, um, and if you're a Catholic and you don't really, and you're not in that position, you're just like, well, just, there's only just the conservative wing. I think you're lacking on the fact of like what the Catholic ideal of what society should look like. Um, and I, I, perhaps we talk too little about that and, and maybe our Twitch viewers can let us know in chat if we talk too little about that. Cause I know recently we've been kind of stepping away totally from not completely from theology, but, um, one of the big things that I learned going to Franciscan is like, what does a Catholic society look like? How does grace affect nature? How does grace and the church really transform society? And you can see, okay. So there's competing angels of, uh, you know, take your stance go conservative and try and make the best that you can against the enemies of, of the day, which are globalist control um, and all these guys, or be like, okay, death to the world. It's going to die anyways. And let's just go off into the desert. Like there's, there's two things that are really competing. Um, and you, you see here, Vigano taking a strong, a stance and saying, mm-hmm. I'm standing for this at this moment in time. Obviously he doesn't accede the fact that like, a Trump in office isn't a Catholic, like a Catholic society's yeah. ideal. You know what I mean? We, we talked about this in the capitalism debate, and, and maybe you guys can remember the capitalism debate that we had at Franciscan. Um, my whole position only works on the fact that the Catholic ideal, if, if I had to sit here and argue against a global hegemony and communism, I would give you the most prompt and hopefully apt you know, defense of capitalism, American capitalism that I, I could. Right. It's one of those things when I was debating was in theoretical terms of American capitalism isn't formulated according to a Catholic society. And that's Mm -hmm. what I and I think you can reasonably argue that. And uh, it's not the ideal. And a Catholic society wouldn't look like an American capitalist uh, society. Um, What would it look like exactly? It's hard to say. I mean, there's that's what I had to make my whole arguments with. Um, But but anyways, you got to take a stance on some at some times, you know. Well, that's hard, right? Because there's no real, I mean, there's no such thing as a Catholic capitalist society. You know what I mean? Like, the, like you can't, there's no ideal society that's Catholic and capitalistic. You know what I mean? Like Americans, America's pretty capitalistic. Like that's, you know, free market economy, free enterprise. But 
America is not traditionally a Catholic nation. It's Protestant, right? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, so, I mean, it's hard to like that. First of all, that was a fun debate. Like that was, that was really good. That was kind of last minute too, wasn't it? It was very last minute. And I got conscripted to be one of the speakers. You you, (laughs) you took some, you took some backlash, man. Like you take a little bit of backlash, but like, you know, Oh shit! You, you know, it's like oh, what are I'm you only attacking I can't like take it. everybody's cash cow. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but um, no, it's like it's important for us though to like strive to be as best as we can. You know what I mean? Like to strive and and, and work towards. Okay, I don't know. Like, I guess like a capitalistic sense of mind. You know what I mean? Like free market. Because because here's the thing: it's it's basically like you make you make your world. You know what I mean? Like you can make your own world out of this. You can become some of the rich, the richest person ever. If you play your cards, right. Or you could be in a dump and you know what I mean? And like, not <laughs> like, not really. I mean, it's difficult to say know. there's, I mean, it's, it it's, is the oppor- it's the opportunity that you get presented. You get dealt a certain hand and in a lot of ways, there's a lot of luck involved. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the guys at the top, there's a lot of really nefarious things that are involved. And, and this is what we're talking about. The global elites, Coming out of Corona, Amazon's gone up their shareholdings by like something ridiculous, like 15%, right? Uh, Tesla's gone to the moon. They just passed a thousand. Um, they were trading at, I think, around 600 pre-Corona. Uh, Apple, Google, huge tech companies, they've all been carrying the market. Everyone else has taken a hit, the energy sector, other people, uh, airlines, whatever. And the guys who are the most heavily involved in China, these tech companies who we've talked about before, Google being heavily involved, made massive profits. I mean, you don't go 15% by nothing happening. You go 15% by something crazy happening, and then you're, you know, you're able to mega profit. I mean, the fact that Amazon went from like, you know, I saw a pretty funny uh onion article the other day. Maybe I could drop it in chat. Uh it was it, it was titled Bezos, Jeff Bezos, upset that his number is able to be uh, put in mathematical form. His like I network. saw that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it had like the article is Jeff Bezos. Be- no. Bezos is upset that uh, his net worth could be uh, put into a number that could be understandable. <laughs> he-, he hopes to make it to where it could have no mathematical oh, no. signification. And you no. gotta uh, okay. I mean, just think guys- about it. Think about it. Think about it. Oh, I'm so mad that you no, know, I'm. Hundred, you know, billions of dollars, and like, you guys can actually quantify my money now. Like, oh shoot, I'm so angry. Like, you know how many Americans are living off of scraping by? You know, not every American's a billionaire like you. You know, so like, it's like, what do you, what are you so freaking upset for? Yeah, you there's, got there's a lot of. Well, yeah, I know it's an onion article, so it's, it's supposed <laughs> to be funny. But like, yeah, but you got to think like, it's so weird. I. Sometimes I just think, okay, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, you know, Jobs when he was around, Bill Gates, uh, Bill Gates now, these guys that have untold amount of wealth, like what are their Warren Buffett? What's what's their end game here, right? Like, mm-hmm. I like, think this about is that why too. the, the globalist yeah. temptation of let's say global control to see your like who wouldn't want to see their ideas come to fruition in the world? Yeah, if you're at that top, and and they're not they're not there to you know, lead the world to salvation through Christ as the church's mm-hmm. mission is. They're there to, to what, what, what does it look like? Yeah, okay, I know. Well, well, let's well, look okay. at what like the Bill yeah. Gates foundation and these other guys have done. Um, and um, just, 
you know, reducing populations in the third world, um, destroying family bonds and, and promoting uh, abortion and Planned Parenthood. Like these people are going to what what are they trying to do? Just extend their control and extend their power and uh, and their dominance over the world in, in ways like. It's it's money, it's it's these money games, you know, mm-hmm. well, it's true, and and you think about it. And you look at all these, at all these Americans that have become, you know, millionaires and billionaires, and a lot of them haven't, you know, given into the globalist idea and become corrupt. But it seems like it's a lot easier to reach, you know, to reach that status if you give into like the globalist idea and just becoming more worldly instead of, you know, I guess to your country patriotic, like earning it that way. I mean, <clears throat> It's just, it's it's funny to me to see how just when somebody, you know, somebody climbs to the top, right? They are making a lot more money. Their net worth is growing like crazy. Isn't it interesting to see how their pattern, like their behavioral patterns change? Like if you see these people, like going into the psychological aspect of it, you see all these people that are their net worth is growing year by year and you're just examining them and you just think about like what is going through their head, you know, and a lot of times you see them change drastically in their behavior. Take for example, Conor McGregor. I mean, he came from nothing started to something and then to everything, right? That's his big quote, but he, what happened was, is that look, he's making his way to the top now, right? He's, getting more, you know, fights, bigger fights, eventually gets to the title fights. He's making like $40 million a year and 40 million. And so he, he went crazy. Like that whole Khabib thing, like he threw that dolly or whatever you call it at the bus and broke the glass. Against the, you know, the Dagestani yeah, you know, and then all of the, you know, the mob against... and uh, and Khabib. That was a yeah. smart move. And, and then after the fight, obviously, we had the brawl. After the fight, we had more of, more of a brawl. And but Connor went from this humble guy to getting a lot. Well, he got a lot more cocky, cocky, cocky. And then he just went psycho, literally. And all that money, you know, famous line. It says the guys start to get psycho once you once you let the start once you. Let the greed start sinking. There, there's a good, a good yeah. like line for that too that I, I've heard is um, money doesn't money doesn't completely change you. It just makes you able to do. It, it makes who you are bigger, and you're yeah. able to do like more with like who you are. Just gets you're able to do everything you've wanted. It magnifies. It just magnifies. Like what you know, what can't <laughs> you? What can't you buy? You know, if you're already a. Um, you know, you got problems and you're messed up and whatever else you have bad things you want to do or whatever. Once you have money, you can do, you know, whatever you're intending to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, you see people change as not all of them, but a lot of them change and they become more and more and more immersed into this world, into worldly ways. Okay. Let and, me, let me throw something at um, you with that. So I've been okay. When was the last time you thought about terrorism? Terrorism? Yeah, terrorism. You guys in chat can ask uh, me uh, or, or, or answer that as well. Um, when was the last time you thought Trump, about terrorism? 
when Trump, I mean, when he talked about Antifa being a terrorist society. Yeah, you thought about, you know, you referenced that, that thought was like referenced back to a previous time. Now, like two, three years ago, let, let's see, like you 2016. Have a, you have an interesting, you have an interesting stance on this. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I may not go all into my stance on that part of it, but like everything was like terrorism, you know, well, I mean, you, you go post 9-11, it was all terrorism up until, you know, forever. And we, we had ISIS and then that was, you know, the big thing. And then like, we've, we've had this interlude and it was all Trump. And then it was like, we got to go fight ISIS and the Syrian civil war is going on. And like, no one's thought about that since, you know, there was previous attacks. And then we have like the whole gun control stuff with uh, all these different mass shootings that were going on. And then everything's just been Corona and it's just national news is like following these, like you have these big national news trends, right? With different times. I mean, you think back in the day, like our parents' generation, during the communism times, that was the only thing they were thinking about was communism, nuclear war, everything. That was all part of this bigger narrative. But when you look at all these different situations, nearly all of them are coupled with either war or some type of global policy or an intention mm-hmm. to make some type of domestic policy. Yeah, um, true. And likewise, what's all the talk been? The Black Lives Matter. And there's a, there's a double intention with that of um, destroying police. And then the second is destroying Trump and everyone's like forgot about Corona. Right. And before Corona was like, why like media obviously has a big, a big role, an enormous role in shaping public opinion. And then the public opinion gets, um, that's whether they support certain politicians or they support certain movements or whatever else. Um, all of it is, t- you got to wonder what, what we're getting, right? <laughs> what we're getting about out of all of this. Um, during the 9-11 era, we had terrorism and terrorism was like, you know, it, it took over people's minds because obviously it was a big event. And we used that to justify all the way up until recently um, invasions in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and total, you know, trillions of dollars spent there and countless lives lost. And um that was used to that term, right? And we, we've talked about that terrorist term, that term, you know, when you, when you start to like try and define it, it gets really complex because it's, it's associated with so many different things. If someone's a terrorist, like one of those uh, predicates of it is they're bad, they're evil. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but like define other parts of it. Okay. They create terror. They do stuff to destroy stuff. Like it literally means people who do stuff similar to like nine 11. Right. Yeah. That's kind of like the generic, you know, someone who bombs a we building of, or whatever. Yeah. That's what we think of when we think of terrorism. Honestly. Right. And that was used to, you know, that term was part of a, um, you know, a narrative that allowed the American people to support sending their sons and daughters to a war in some middle of the mountains in Afghanistan and, and you know, lots of people to die and whatever else. And perhaps it was justified. Perhaps it wasn't. I, I don't know. But like that. And, and now we're seeing coronavirus was like nothing. Nobody was talking about any anything else but coronavirus for that time. And, and media has been so nationalized and so globalized as well. And then everything just on a dime goes from coronavirus, everything's crazy to oh, Black Lives Matter, Trump's, <clears throat> Trump's a racist, and we need to completely flip. You go back even before that, it was all communism talk. It was all whatever else before the Soviets, whatever. Um, 
Like, I think people, <laughs> maybe this is all just one very wide argument to basically say, um, media pushes a particular narrative to the American people to get their opinion to fit with the people in power, their ideas of how, you know, they want to take over a country or like focus the mind of the American people on a particular thing for certain interest. Right. Like, I think we forget mm. that this isn't just all this media and everything else is serving an interest. It always mm -hmm. is. So yeah. if 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 um, if there's an outside source who is able to get us to to discuss a topic and then take a, a position on it. Right. If the whole narrative is terrorism, then like they've already won in focusing your mind on a particular issue. Right. Fair. Like they've, yeah. they've, fish, they've focused our minds on coronavirus. None of us, neither of us have had personal experience with it, but it's caused us to end a semester early, go home, go back to working, go back to whatever else, talk about <laughs> it on our show. Yeah. There's like and ideals I've had, behind it. And like, yeah. What's the, there, there's an interest involved in, you know, maybe that interest is in trying to get you to socially distance and whatever else. And perhaps that it, the, you know, that's part of it, but there could also be an interest of, wanting economic devastation or wanting global fear or wanting a closing of borders or wanting like there's a lot of stuff that that can be crammed into a uh, a media position on a particular topic yeah i agree i mean with all of like when we hear these terms like terrorism and stuff i think that something that comes to our mind is like on a side note is how is the media going to blow this up and will the media blow this up? And obviously, it seems like whatever the liberal media does, there is some sort of agenda behind it. And there is some sort of goal that they have. Um, and like we were talking about, I mean, Hillary Clinton and Obama and Joe Biden, those guys are like literally, they were in, like encouraging the rioting and stuff. Like they wanted to keep going to get at Trump and to just destroy, you know, what he has and what he's standing up for. And um, like that was perpetrated by the liberal media and those three, you know, and Obama and Biden and, and Hillary, like they were pushing for that. And the liberal media obviously is going to side with them. But what is interesting is that there is always, there's always some sort of idea or goal behind it to really push it and yep. to get at, to get it. I mean, right now it's trying to get at Trump and he's Let's the one that's like standing in the, in the way. Let's put it in the inverse. The things that the media kills. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. figurative and literal. Uh, but that story, where did that go? Disappeared off the face of the map. There was a whole meme movement to, you know, um, do you remember that video that went viral of that ex-Navy SEAL who was talking about some other unrelated thing? And at the end of his interview and he went, uh, yeah, yeah. And so that's uh, and what I way, think on that. And, uh, and Jeffrey way, Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> like it was totally memed, right? I saw that. If you want to contend with me that, oh, well, you're exaggerating, like the media focuses on this thing for for interest. So there's media, but there's interest behind the media. It's politicians, it's global elites, it's whoever it is. But they the media is their their way to get to the American opinion and, and try and shape it a certain way. If you don't believe me on the positive part of whether it's gun control or terrorism or um, or coronavirus or you know, Black Lives Matter or whatever else they want to like shape public opinion on, just put it on the inverse and stories they absolutely kill. 
which is like Jeffrey Epstein. One that yeah. I focus on is the Las Vegas shooting. Like I, mm. I still like what was the motivations there? Um, uh, you, you know, things that just don't go anywhere. Stories that just don't go anywhere. And um, that should, and that you can obviously see that want the, they want those stories to remain out of public mind and out of public opinion. Yeah. Right. Well, they, they have their ideas. And- yeah. They have censorship. That's the thing. Like they have their ways of, because there's so many people in the United States that are just easily, they listen to media, liberal media, and they become so influenced and they, you know, all of a sudden just run with it. And so it's all about that, you know, censorship and that propaganda that they put out. That's it. Makes censorship it and propaganda. I think you nailed yeah. it right there. Yep. And it's, that's what it is. It's censorship, you know, and showing what we can and can't, but also while you're doing that, putting forth false information, putting forth stuff that can, you know, wrongly persuade someone in a certain direction. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong in itself with persuading somebody, but when you put out propaganda, stuff that's false, that goes to target people, especially like right now, they're trying to target Trump with everything they have and um, stuff like that. Like that is what we're talking about, this type of corruption in the United States and like how and, and when we talk about terms like terrorists and things like that, those kind of things, it automatically our mind leads to something. You know what I mean? And right. so they want you to associate. They want certain they want terms. you to associate and lead you. I mean, 19, George Orwell saw it in 1984. You want to yeah. make terms charged, racist. Mm-hmm. They want that term to be charged. They want the term terrorist to be charged. They want, um, you're you're a, a homophobe. You're a bigot. You're a whatever. Like mm-hmm. charged terms that they can then convince the American public, you know, to to accept these as these charged terms. That if you're that, you're bad. And then have a dubious concept in mind, and then just make people convinced of it. And I think where where it's it's become like the most powerful, I think, is media and education. Like people talk about mainstream edu- uh, media, um, and we're talking about it here. Like the fact that you know, like you have Amazon owns the Washington Post. You have like NBC, yeah. <laughs> CBS, Fox News. Everybody is owned by huge money interest, um, and are totally either you know funded by liberals or funded by Republicans or whatever else. But I think one that people don't get to enough is the education aspect of it that, you know, these these young people that, you know, these conservative commentators are, you know, complaining about and, and people are kind of had this general sense of these young people who are getting indoctrinated in colleges. Like it's a mm-hmm. true systematic indoctrination. The yeah. things that they're being taught about gender fluidity and then, you true. know, not being a, a bigot and homosexuality, the things they're taught about religion. The things are taught taught about, you know, America's founded on genocide. It's founded on, um, it's founded on these principles. It's total globalist uh, indoctrination, and it's been systematically happening. You know, uh, preaching to women that having a kid when you're, you know, when your career's ahead of you is, you know, totally, totally antithetical to what it means to be a woman. A real woman goes out and get a gets a career like getting married and having children. That's that's silly. You know, you should not do that. Right. And you don't really explain why, you know, like it's a, it's a free country. If you want to have a kid when you're, you know, 20 years old and as a woman and not go pursue a career like, oh, well, you're you're doing something wrong. Like all of these things, the education part of it, I think. um, Like that's another huge one of 
you know, how do you get the American people to think in this globalist <clears throat> way, according to your, you, you only give them information that you, you curate through the media. And then the second one is you indoctrinate the next generation to think according to your methods and to your, your thinking, right? Well, definitely something that a conclusion that I came to about six months ago was just thinking to myself, um, education is, education is such a massive, massive thing that I can, that can either harm you in the wrong way, or it can either like really propel you in the right direction. So what I mean by that is like, if you want to really educate yourself and learn more about American society and, and just the way that persuasion works and definitely in the media, like if you educate yourself on all sides and really learn about positions and things like that, it's not really possible that you can become that corrupted by a certain side. I mean, like if you can see through it, like that's what Trump said, you know what I mean? In 2016, he said, um, I think the American people are starting to see through it, like the liberal lies and all this BS that they're putting against me. That's just simply false. Like the American people are starting to see through this. And this is what I'm talking about when education comes into play, that you educate yourself in the right way. You're able to drive through the dangerous power of persuasion. And so what I'm talking about is like, it's, it's so important, like for more Americans need to become educated and just learn about both sides. But in a way where if they start hearing these things about like the liberal left and or the conservative right, they start hearing all this propaganda that's going on, that they won't be persuaded by it, but they'll examine it, but they won't be persuaded by it. You know what I mean? The problem like, is that's like, what people are being so indoctrinated that they don't even have the tools to see through the persuasion. Yeah. They just accept it hook, line, and sinker every single time. And then you try and have a conversation. And then what happens is the words get used. Like the words to shut down conversation. Oh, well, you're are you a racist? Oh, well, are you, you know, are you a Trump supporter? Are you whatever else? Like, um, if those you're wearing words, a MAGA hat, those yeah. words are the indoctrination tools to shut down. You know, it's like asking, it's like, you know, are you not a supporter of the party? You know, are you not a, a part, a, a party member? Are you not a communist? Like, like the rest of us, like Sol, uh, Solzhenitsyn out, outlines it in um, Gulag Archipelago. Like um, if anyone was saying anything similar <laughs> negative to the communist party, you just say like, are you not a communist? Are you not with the, <laughs> you're not with the Supreme leader? You're not with the communist, whatever. Um, so I, I've also been, um, I, I've been listening to a good podcast. You guys should listen to uh, hardcore history by Dan Carlin, but he, he has a full series called supernova in the East where he talks about Japan and he talks about, uh, there were some soldiers, um, in the Japanese army after world war II who, uh, you know, eventually surrendered, but the last one to surrender after world war II surrendered in 1974. And he was found in the Philippine jungles. So his commander had commanded him go into the jungles and then shoot at any incoming people. Um, and Jeez. the war was over, but he didn't believe that Japan surrendered. And he stayed in the jungle for 30 years after that, still shooting at random people and no one would approach him. And eventually he had to be told by his commanding officer to surrender. And Dan Carlin, the there, war ended 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and this wasn't, and it, it's a very crazy phenomenon, but this wasn't 
it wasn't the only case. There were like something like 400 different cases of Japanese soldiers who had been in like random different places who never ended up surrendering even years and years after. And he was trying to like figure out how do you get soldiers to so believe in Japan <laughs> that the Japanese would never lose, we'd never surrender, we're this great power, and, and be out in the middle of nowhere and never surrender and just be in the jungle. Well, one of the things that they did in Japan is they would take these kids when they're 18 or whatever and just so indoctrinate them with all of these, you know, Japan never surrenders. Um, we will be victorious. I mean, they're the same people, the kamikaze pilots, you know, they, they use those as well. And um, it was, they used the two things. They used the education uh, and they completely indoctrinated these soldiers. And so like the, even the idea that Japan could surrender wasn't even a possibility to them. Mm-hmm. And then, Everything, yeah. all the media that came into J- Imperial Japan at the time was all curated, obviously, by the state government that Japan would win the war and that everything would, you know, succeed. And um, th- those same tools never, they, they don't change, right? Orwell described them in 1984. You, uh, the terms like double think, um, like words are meant yeah, to be, think. yeah, words have, uh, words can change in, according to what the state wants it to to seem like right like one Mm -hmm. of the main you know instruments of oppression was like the ministry of public good or something like that and it had like a really nice name but it basically was there to like oppress people um i don't know if you remember kellen we went to in budapest we went to um the the nazi operational place it was actually Whoa. called the 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 Red Arrow. I think was the name of like the, yeah. the Nazi type party. That in thing was that was crazy. Bro. They called it the House insane. of Terror. But what they House would do terror, is yeah. any dissidents, any political enemies, anybody was just rounded up, taken to that torture house, and then shipped to either concentration camps or to other prison camps out of Hungary. Mm-hmm. Because any of these intellectual elites presented an opposition to their um, their control of the public opinion and the public. Because if you eliminate all enemies, internal enemies, then the only thing you can say is positive. Those same yeah. those same elements are being used by a global hegemony in the United States in the form of media and in the form of education and sorry, the educational system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this. It's the same playbook. The playbook doesn't really change a ton. Trump has mm-hmm. been the biggest, um, you know, roadblock in their their path to global control. And he comes right to the UN, the seat of globalism, and says it, <laughs> right, in this 2019 speech. And when we covered it, it was a big deal. This was September of uh, 2019. Twitch I mean, chat. Yeah. Guys, let, let us know. We offer rockers. Is, is, uh, is, is our simplification of, of education and media, you know, uh, the way these globalist control is going on? Um, yeah. What, what do you think of that, that aspect of it? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I mean, like one thing definitely is, is that it's so easy to become, it's so easy to be, if you're not, like I said, if you're not educated on things, like it's so easy to become persuaded by just the first thing you hear. I mean, literally in Hitler, you know, and sorry, in Germany, Hitler was their God. And so, I mean, I used to, I used to watch videos. Have you ever seen the movie, the triumph of the will? Hmm. It's this, it's all in German and it's uh, about just what happened like in the war and, and the life in Germany. I mean, you would see uh, 
schools where the children were just like, you know, like Heil <laughs> Hitler, you know, and I'm not going to do yeah. it on the, I'm not going to do it yeah, on like here, Nazi but, youth um, the whole thing, but the Nazi youth and just the whole thing, just them singing the anthem and just like, I'm telling you, bro, like it's so it's real. Like it's real. The power of persuasion in this country. And if you look at Trump, like he's, he's literally just combating the, the media. I mean, like every time little stuff he says in press conferences, like he, I'm, uh, she's surprised that I picked her. She's like a little bit. And like, and she said, Oh, I wasn't ready. And he's like, you never are. <laughs> but, uh, and, no, and look, he uses, Trump, you know, he tweets every day and he just unfiltered yeah. says exactly what he thinks. And he's, yeah. and you know, Twitter's doing nothing else, but trying to figure out how they can censor this guy. You remember when they did that, uh, they took one of his tweets, which said, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And they put a little yeah. sign under it that said, you know, this is not accurate according to these things, you know, or this, this is, they censored that, um, like Twitter, you know, these guys are trying to do everything they can. And they're the ones, you know, funding half asleep, you know, can't talk straight Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> like they're the ones who want this guy because he's a, yeah. you know, he's a, He's a total globalist, just like Obama. He's a globalist. You know, he's and, globalist and he's that, very you know, easily controllable and in the interest of these huge elites. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, America First will be replaced with America Last, which was exactly the Obama administration's, uh, you know, they put that over everything they, they touched was America Last. And um, and these type of global interest. And, you know, Trump comes in, he's like, America First, man, I'm telling you, this And, you know, in the words of Trump, this is our country. We are putting America first. We are going to put America first because this is who we are. We are going to embrace the spirit of patriotism and reject reject the heart of globalism. globalism. Reject the heart of globalism. Like this, this is who we are. Now, once again, we we have to make clear once again, I, I, for our 3000 Twitch viewers out there, (laughs) once again, when I, when we're making this, when I'm making this support of Trump, I have the two angels on the on the side again, which is one is like, look, he's not perfect. In fact, he, do, you know, there's a lot of things that you could criticize him on, whatever else. There's far fewer, probably I would criticize him on than a lot of people. But he's no he's no Catholic ideal of a, a ruler completely. He's doing great things. But on the other side, like, I support the guy and pretty firmly. And you have to take a stance in this in this dogfight and in this battle. And one of the things that I, I do want to get to here is um, this idea of the silent mi- majority that Trump's talked about on his Twitter a lot. And other people have talked about, I mean, you remember right before, you know, the, the 2016 election, everyone was saying, Oh, Clinton's going to win. Gonna win. <coughs> We're back. Welcome back guys. The quickest break in hey. broadcasting history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I vegano, man, God bless that man. For uh, for doing what he did and and, and standing up and, and speaking the truth and I think like okay back to it silent majority I think um, twenty sixteen election everyone and their brother Hillary Clinton's gonna win you know they and then whoosh, sweeped right Trump wins big and he wins you know it wasn't the biggest mandate in history or any of that but he wins and he wins substantially and and they're pulling the same crap now they're like the polls say Biden's like 
Who is Biden inspirational for? Right? You know, the geese outside of his uh, house are probably pretty inspirational for him. Have you guys heard that, by the way? Guys, okay. The uh, the geese outside of Biden's house. So he's, you know, quarantined because he's uh, ancient as dirt and, you know, doesn't want to leave his house and risk it with corona. But um, <laughs> but he does his podcast, apparently, which I have not heard. Um, <laughs> but every time he does his podcast, he has like a big house in Delaware and he has a lake with like geese come there and they're like in the background, like, you know, doing their, (laughs) their honking and stuff. (laughs) Anyways, dude. Yeah. It's, no, they're doing the same stuff, you know, like 2016, it was all like, Oh, Hillary's going to win or whatever. But likewise, the media today are all thinking, um, Oh yeah. Trump's definitely going to lose this. The American people hate Trump, right? They realize he's a racist. (laughs) They realize all this other stuff. And and you really just see all before, you know, and the, and the Dems love to say, well, we're really grassroots. We're really with the people when they've never really been. And, um, you know, you know like like when um, Trump pointed out, look, you know, Republicans are the party of Lincoln. We're the party who was at the forefront of abolition. You know, the Democrats were the ones who wanted segregation and everything else back in the day. There was never some grand switch that people talk about of interest. It's just the Dems think they have a chokehold on anything that's progressive for civil rights which of course they do not. And um, like the sentiment I think is just exemplified by Joe Biden's. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black like that. If that's not the biggest faux pas. And that's another thing. uh, (laughs) The biggest fiasco of the Trump of the Biden campaign, the fact that that got dropped, like he said that, and then nothing really sparked in the media. They tried to whitewash it as much as much as they could. Um. I mean, just goes to show, it's, man. I mean, it just—I don't get it. I, I don't—I don't get it. By the way, Twitch viewers, we are taking chat. If you guys got questions for us uh, at this second part of the hour, the greatest broadcast in broadcast history, the Kellen and Alex Show. My friend is uh, my friend is trying to download Twitch right now, but I—I I mean, you can watch it in your browser. Chat. You can watch it on your browser. Twitch is available on browser, wherever else. Yeah. Um. On your browser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're look. The playbook really hadn't changed. It's um like media, education, uh, making words certain certain ways, dropping stories, making sure certain things don't get told to the American public. Um, and y- you know what, what Vigano says as well in his, his open letter, um, you know, these people associated with the deep state, which he says, you wisely oppose and which is fiercely waging war against you in these days. Um, they're the ones who have control of the media and are ultimately the ones shaping, you know, American opinion. I mean, we've gone in this Kellen and Alex show extravaganza that we have um, in March, sorry, in February, I was just listening to a previous podcast and we've, we've talked about a lot with coronavirus. I, I've learned so much about how, you know, we're so utterly dependent on the information we get and the information is all curated. It's curated by the media. It's curated by all these means that we we get. And what we got was this is, you know, the black plague that's going to kill a third of all of America and everyone's going to die and you're going to know somebody's going to die. And it's the the Wuhan, the, the Kung flu that's coming over and, you know, it's, it's coming to kick everyone's butt. And um, you need to we need to shut everything down. And, and now we all know that was a that was a gross overestimation. And, um, and it serves certain interests. So in any of these, let's say more conspiratorial, uh, musings, you have those who say, 
um, well, look, you know, there's you're asserting too many coincidences, right? Um, you're saying, okay, well, this came out of China, which is like enemy number one in the quest for global economic dominance, right? And the U.S. has been pushing hard, you know, for for the last <clears throat> half a century in Asia dominance through Korea. We fought a war in Korea, Vietnam, um, our dominance over the Philippines. You know, we own the Philippines for a, a good portion of time. Um, and Asia, you know, having influence over Asia and China's trying to do the contrary. They want that that dominance. Uh, like just recently, Trump sent um, he sent a bunch of aircraft carriers from an area in the South China Sea and sent it through all these islands that China like claimed was theirs to show that no, we don't recognize your claim. Like we're still the South Chinese Sea uh, is still openly disputed. Like that's been going on forever. So our you know our number one economic enemy gives us a a virus that all of a sudden now all the state governors want to completely shut down our economy before, uh, you know, which was, has, has no precedent in American history of shutting down an economy at a state level. And we do it. And now we had all the ramifications, all the tech companies and all the people who were involved in China made out like thieves, made millions and millions and billions and billions of dollars, saw their share prices go up by 15 to 20%. I mean, everyone. Google, Facebook, Apple, uh, Twitter went up enormously. Amazon went up ridiculous amount. Tesla went up a ridiculous amount. Huge public companies that uh, now get huge 15% increases and they get more expansion into China and they have all their hands in China. Like how many coincidences do you need before you start saying, before you make the conspiratorial jump of um, like, I don't think you you can't say those, let's say, concurrent facts and then say, well, therefore, ergo, you know, this was caused by somebody releasing it. But I think you can at least open the door and say this. There's probably more to the story that I don't know. I think at the very, yeah. the bare minimum, you can at least say, I think there's more to the story that I don't know. And that's I, I think the problem with, let's say, more conspiratorial minded uh, commentators or whoever else is they go straight to, let's say the conclusions and they brand the conclusions as being conclusive. And then people get turned off because there's more to the picture. But I think all you really need to do when you're talking about this stuff is just say the mainstream media, um, they're just easy narrative about a certain thing. You should be more cautious and more open to the fact that there may be tons more that are being hidden from public eye. No, I think, um, definitely there's always that suspicion that we're not hearing the full side of things. And especially like when we, when we hear news coming out, um, there's the first thing, I mean, for me too, honestly, like the first thing for me is like, we hear, I'm, I'm starting to think of, well, is there something more to this? Is there something that I'm not hearing? And it's the media that is controlling this. So, I mean, it's just like, we have to be very cautious before we take any actions to make sure that we look at the full side of things, because that's like a big game changer. I mean, do you know, did you know that in 2016, when Trump was running for president, the New York times gave him a 12% chance of winning <laughs> a 12% chance of winning. Wow. The, the failing New York times. New York times. 12%. I mean, how do you believe that? 
How do you believe that? I mean, even a person that's moderate or even liberal, like how, how can you trust that? Trump has to have more than a 12% chance of winning. I'd say at least 50. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, you have to be very careful. I mean, on both sides to, you know, to make sure that you're receiving the information and, you know, looking at all sides and making sure that there's, you're not just hearing one side of the story. Yeah. It's, there's a kind of helplessness that I think goes along with this. Like, I think a lot of people felt it after the Epstein stuff who were just basically like, okay, no investigation came out of this. No one was indicted. You know, (laughs) I mean, the story is just like too, it's like, it's draining. It's just draining even to think about, right? Yeah. To think about it's draining. I mean, obviously he's just a, you know, lowest of the low scum of the, the earth. And then he gets put in a federal prison. We're about to hear all the stuff that he's, that he's blackmailed all these people. You know, he has all these videos of these powerful, rich people. I don't even want to say it on air. And he he's put under suicide watch because somebody else, like, tried to make attempts at him. He has a roommate in there. The guards are asleep. The cameras are off for eight hours over the night. No one checks on him in his cell. And he's found dead in the morning. His hyoid bone is broken, which wouldn't have happened for any other cause but strangulation, not by hanging, not by nothing else. The investigation ends and nothing comes out of it. That's just weird. I don't know. And then, and then you know, the media dropped the story and then everyone memes it for like a month or two. And then, so, and, and you know, I think for the average American who sees something like that, I think. Okay, what what can we garner from from that situation? Uh, I think there's a there's a form of hopelessness that you're going to ever understand or ever get told the real details. Yeah, and there's I think definitely definitely it's, it's a lot more. Uh, people talk about like waking up to the fact that like I I think it's one of those things when you're educated over and over again that like oh trust what the media says, trust what you know what 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 these interests are telling you, and not think for yourself. Um, moments like that are moments that should, you know, open the American people to the fact that, um, these interests are far more involved in curating what we're told and informing our opinions than most people think. They just hear this and they think this is exactly what, um, what is true. Um, yeah. Okay. We have a comment from ACI he says in our schools, I found it fascinating that they tried to make us ashamed of our history because that's how they taught it. And th- this is what we're talking about. Education and media are these two and, and the education feeds into the media lie of, um, yeah, believe what the media says, you know, don't use Wikipedia as your source. No, I'm just, no that's another issue, but <laughs> believe everything. Uh, believe anybody, everything anybody can, source. anybody can contribute, uh, on Wikipedia. So that's like the, that's globalism at its finest. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> not really. But. The internet too has been an interesting thing because like, um, you know, nearly everyone uses Google for their search engine and Google curates what you can search for. I mean, you can find a lot of stuff in the internet, but um, yeah, I, it's that, it's a double, a double thing of going back to like the consp- conspiratorial st- part of it. Right. Do you remember when Alex Jones got banned from like all platforms? A while back ago, 
Isn't he a cons- isn't he a conservative? Uh, yeah, conservative people podcaster? label him as a, a far right conspiracy theorist. Is what people label him as, and he has some crazy I rem- stuff. I remember that. Yeah, he's I you know I, I find him very funny. But you know he talks about global elites and global control and 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 they're and they're trying to take over the world and and uh, and and you know he sa- he says a bunch of crazy crap <laughs> all the time. But all of a sudden, these major tech companies just say we're no longer supporting him, and not for any particular reason. And they banish him from YouTube, they banish him from Apple Podcasts, they banish him from Facebook, from Twitter, from literally everything. And he has his own website and he does his own stuff. And um, it's it was one of those moments of like, oh, okay. That's how much control these companies have. Like, there was a dissenting opinion, and oh, these companies aren't really, they're not really bastions of free speech. Like, we like to think, you know, one of the, one of the sayings, like, the internet is the great equalizer because the internet connects people directly. And, um, and people can say what they think about whatever, and it gets told and it gets broadcast, right? But, like, if you search for some type of news something, what is the exact first sources that you get is New York Times. You get Wash, you know, the Amazon Post. You get um, all these other big globally controlled um, news information, which is the same stuff they put on their TV stuff. And Google's making sure you see that type of stuff. You never see, you never type for an information and get Infowars. You never type, yeah. like, even things like the internet are being so, because people figured out a little bit late, the internet was more Wild West than it is now. But it, it's it's becoming assimilated as part of that curated content, um, and these big interests are being put into that, right? Like the internet's mm-hmm. role in it. The internet was like the big. We're gonna hope it's gonna be the place where people can get all sorts of information, but it's been largely co-opted by huge corporations with their their interest. No, it's true. Yeah, I mean, when when industry, you know, and and all these big companies enter the picture. Um, it just there, it creates a sense of uncertainty and it also creates a sense of, okay, now I feel like we're starting to see an agenda here. Like a lot of the times what will happen is something that I've noticed is that I'll see an article. I'll see like an article that says something. And then another article that completely says something different about like the same thing. And so what you do is like, you start seeing, okay, so First of all, who do I trust? Because there's a complete contradiction here. There's somebody saying one thing and another person saying another because not only are there just more people contributing now because we have more globalism entering into the picture. It's like, who do you trust? Some people say, I've heard people on social media say Trump has, you know, had has led us to the lowest unemployment we've ever had. Then I've seen people that said Trump has led us to the highest unemployment that we've ever had. I mean, like just little things like that. There's there at some point becomes a quick turnaround of contradiction in in our, in our media. And it's like, it's just, you can just see it. Like you can naturally sense it. Yeah. Like there's, there's something going on here. Why would somebody have a completely different answer? A complete different contradiction to that one thing. Like right away, like what is this switch that we're seeing here? Here's even, oh, and what you're no. saying of like, you go to the media and you get, okay, now two opinions and they just conflict and whatever else. And you're like, yeah. who do I trust? The fact that you're, you're, you're concerned about the issue they're arguing over is also like the person who got the American people to bring it to the forefront of their mind, one, in the fact of getting the American people to focus on something, 
right? Mm-hmm. I think this is, yeah. I mean, we talked about, so like our Veritas debates. I mean, one of the things I, I loved, you know, there's the debate itself where you debate a certain issue, but one of the deep dark secrets, you know, these uh, five viewers here on our Twitch will get to know, like I took great pleasure just in the fact of having a debate that I thought was interesting be debated. Like I, mm-hmm. in a sense, whoever won, I won in the fact that I got this debate to happen. Yeah, true. <laughs> and I yeah. mean, it wasn't just true. me who wanted it. It was other Veritas people. It was, you know, the people who showed up who made the debate. But like, I think with the media as well. Okay, guys in chat, please let me know. If George Floyd had been killed on April 1st, would it have gotten media attention? Mm. The exact same video, everything happened on April 1st. Now, remember, April 1st is pretty much the the heart of corona, craziness, whatever else. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it would have gotten attention, but would it have gotten massive, you know, nationwide protests or whatever else? Like... These things happen according to a certain time frame of media, let's say. Um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it was a perfect time. Corona was on the wane and, you know, um, this whole racial stuff, they wanted to pull this card out. And obviously the George Ford, let's let's be let's be real about this. We did a whole podcast where for 30 minutes we went through the exact video and there's nothing you can say but that it was a murder. Was it racist hate crime? I don't know. I need to see that play out in court. Um, maybe the guy was a racist and that's why he wanted to kill him. I don't know. But it sparked all of this at the tail end of a corona, you know, that had already run its course. If corona was in the heat of it and and the media wanted to tell you all about how the world's ending because of corona and then the George Floyd video comes out, I don't think it would have gotten near as much coverage. Oh, no, for sure not. I mean, yeah, it's... Media has that way of when you quickly put something out, I mean, they can like censor it. And also, like I said, you see all sorts of like different just contradictions coming in. And I don't I don't know, man. You're probably right. Yeah. Maybe moving to the education part, because we got uh, more from Asia. He says, I remember first through fifth grade, they taught history in a way that made you proud to be American. By middle school, it was a little of both stuff to be proud and stuff to be ashamed of. But by high school, also coincidentally, when Common Core came around, they made you feel ashamed of what our people did, taught everything one-sided. Asia, I think your experience mirrors mine, and probably Mr. Lakes, although you are in more of a conservative area. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think you continue that, Asia, to public uh, state universities, and I think that's when you get the full-blown America's genocidal racist. Um, you get the full extent of cancel culture <clears throat> of... Um, homosexual propaganda, of sexual identity propaganda, of uh, systemic racism propaganda, of uh, of communist propaganda, of whatever you want to talk about. I think I think what you're seeing is is definitely true. Of at the higher levels, it gets more and more indoctrinating. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this and, and and this goes back to what we're seeing. Like um, so. Joe Rogan just did a podcast with Brett Weinstein, who has come on multiple times. And, and he was one of the people that got fired originally from, I think it's called Evergreen was his university he was at. And it was mm-hmm. over some comments he made. I think it was regarding transgenderism or something like that. And there were all these college protests. I don't know if you remember, this is about, mm, about a year ago or so, where there was college protests at Berkeley. There was all these different. Yeah. Like, it was mm-hmm. a big deal at the time. Right. And the media, once again, shaping the discussion, focused on it. Right. You guys got to remember the fact that if you can get people to discuss a certain thing, you've already won in a certain sense in that you've got them Mm -hmm. to think about it. 
So yeah. these college protests, like the people who are doing the protests in the streets and are doing the rioting and the looting, whatever, they're not, you know, 50-year-old disgruntled Trump supporters. They're like 20-year-old indoctrinated college students or, or you know, people who are in their, you know, millennial age or whatever else that are, um, that are doing this. And I think a large part due to an educational system that teaches systemic racism, teaches um, a, a one-sided position, except what the mainstream media says. And if you can create people that aren't able to think for themselves and are controlled by emotion, then you can rile them up to do basically whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Right? You want, no, it's true. You want people like, that you can you, control. Yeah. Yeah, the more people you can control, the more like of an influence you have. And that allows you to be able that like, you know, gains your viewership and it also gives you like a drive and that ability to persuade people in a way that can shape the story in a different manner. I mean, like like you were saying, you know, college kids that are that are 20 years old. I mean, we're so young. I mean, at 20, we're super young. And especially like if we were like comparing Franciscan to UCSB or some or UCSD, I don't know, some UC, like it's completely different. Like the culture there is completely different. I mean, at a UC, it's like hookup culture. You know what I mean? Like it's having sex all the time, whenever you want, all that kind of stuff, you know, that immoral garbage. And at Franciscan, we're learning about virtues. We're learning about goodness, beauty, and truth. And we're learning just about these kind of things that are going to propel us in the right way. They're going to propel us forward. They're going to give us morals to move forward. I'm looking at these people at these public universities and I'm thinking to myself, just like, it's a complete mix of information. Like what the heck is this? It's not like we're, we're not having the same information given to us. Of course, UCs, right. They're a special deal. I mean, they're in California. They're on the coast, right? Sorry, Alex, you live in San Diego. I mean, there's UCSD down there, but even, dude, even USD, right? Oh, total liberal safe haven. They're they're technically technically supposed to be Catholic. Aren't they? Isn't USD Catholic? Least Catholic I've ever, I mean, they're, 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 they're completely identical to any UCSD might as well be. Um, Asia, I think it's very keen of you to point out common core as one of these. I, I think, and we can discuss this, like, the destruction of liberal education and the destruction of, let's say, classical learning in America, I think has produced a kind of, um, because the idea of liberal education is to produce a mind that is able to think, right? Um, and I highly recommend to you uh, and, and to all our listeners, um, St. John Henry Newman's The Idea of a University. And one of the things that he writes about what a university is supposed to be is, um, he was actually combating in, in his day the bishops who were trying to make Catholic universities basically like seminaries, where it was kind of like a moral school, like you're supposed to learn the virtues. He says, look, university can be for somebody who's completely evil or for somebody who is you know, perfectly virtuous or whatever else. It, it's not there to just teach you virtues. It's there to develop your skill of thinking, to be able to think for yourself. And obviously you want that thinking to, you know, translate over to living a better life and living in the virtues. But um, that's what the university is for, is to open the mind to be able to think. Now, what does, let's say, common core, let's push science, let's push, you know, and not real science. What you're pushing is like computational data data arrangement, right? 
which is basically here. Let me give you a pre-assigned experiment or a pre-assigned a set a set of information in a textbook, and either you recreate it for me or you just show me the process by which you get results, right? Which is not mm-hmm. true. It's 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 a it's a type of mechanical computational knowledge. It's not like true science. You have to like, you know, there, there's far more involved in science than just computational data arrangement. Um, but, but that's, what's pushed is, is a type of memorizational it's, it's a, and then when you get taught history, when you get taught politics or you get taught whatever, or English or literature or whatever, you're taught propagandistic type things. Like you're taught in English to, to read everything according to racial and gender power struggles, right? You're taught to read Shakespeare as the struggle of feminism, or you're taught to read, um, you're taught to read any of the existentialist writers as trying to destroy God. And you're taught to um, see everything within a particular lens, propagandistic lens, not according to a liberal arts education of trying to learn how to think, but rather how to repeat what the party line is in a sense, right? Because if people are free thinking and able to think for themselves, they won't just repeat uh, propagandistic you know, lies and whatever else. And I think what you right. pointed to with moral degradation if you can get a society um, unable to think for itself and then addicted to passions and emotions, then they're very easily controllable. They're like a little child, right? The little child who throws a tantrum at not being able to get their ice cream. Um, <laughs> if, if you, let's say, forestall some type of gratification, then you'll create a kind of unrest. And, um, and then, or if you, you know, simplify a narrative and it can be easily seen to be like, oh, well, you're just simplifying this. If you can just, you know, um, inflame an emotion very rapidly, then you can control public opinion instantaneously. If people mm-hmm. like think of all the issues involved in a particular topic, like they're not very easily just given a blanket statement and say, well, I, I completely believe, you know. Mm-hmm. So they've destroyed liberal education to accomplish a populace. And then also moral degradation, if you can get people addicted to... Well, I mean, one of the things, um, you know, the CIA importing cocaine and heroin, that's just straight up, uh, you know, getting the people addicted to literal drugs, but you can get them addicted to all sorts of different mediums and outlets and, you know, sexual stuff as well. You can get uh, a a degradation in the universities to where um, they're not free thinking, they're addicted to passions. Yeah, it all it all conglomerates to more control for those who can step outside of their emotions at Mm -hmm. the higher elements. No, it's true. I mean, it's, it's amazing just to think, you know, I was just thinking about how easily if, right. Cause there's, there's steps to this, right. I mean, people, there are some people that just become persuaded right away, but there, I think most people are, they see something and then they try to process it. And then they, you know, it'll, it'll be determined if they become really persuaded or not. Um, I've noticed that after going to, after seeing, you know, going to a public college and then going to a Catholic university at the public college, I mean, there is just, there's all this just information coming at you from all directions and it's just biased, unbiased. And it's just like, it's a swarming of information. And then I noticed, you know, when we go to Franciscan, 
everything is directed in a certain manner, right? We have, we're given directions. We, we look at things in a certain way. So we're able to process that in that way. And I, and I'm just looking at myself. I'm, I'm just not surprised that so many people at public universities that are students that are 18 to 22 years old, that they are just going insane. Like they're just becoming so persuaded and so angry. And I'm just looking at myself. I'm seeing, I'm trying to compare these differences and you just look at a Catholic university like Franciscan, who's passionately Catholic, not many of those in the United States, by the way. And you just look at them and you really start to understand why these, like these students here at this university do things different from people here because we are given expert advice by experts in a Catholic and more just put together kind of way. And if you look at the media, right, the, the, the media drives these liberal universities. I mean, if you think about it, their information is being put out by professors that are corrupt, right? They're putting things out like, like listen to this for a second. Let's go to this for a couple, just a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, not really my friend anymore, because I kind of had to befriend her, but she said that at UC Santa Barbara, they would have conferences where they would educate you to how to have better sex and things like that. And just they, after it, they would sell, I'm, I'm sorry, they would sell toys. Okay. That you would use and say, they would sell sex toys. Okay. And I'm just telling you, I look at that and, and I'm just like, do you think that they would have any thought of doing that at a Catholic university like a Franciscan? I mean, where, where have our morals gone? What are we doing? What are we doing, Alex? I mean, where has where did this flowing river come from that just has just swept us all away? It comes from the liberal media that has all these inner workings and is able to persuade people in such a way where it slowly degrades our our ability to think. And like you said, society's taken in by all these emotions, by their passions, easy to sweep them right through. It's it's a process that works unfortunately. And we are taught at our Catholic university, this is how things should be done. And this is how things, this is how we should look at the world. Therefore, we have a structure given to us that is not going to be so easy to corrupt us. It's insane, it's, it's, man. It's, it's I don't emotion. even know what to say, brother. It's, it's just, it's a fluid. I can understand it. You know what I mean? I can understand yeah. how corruption comes in society. Hmm. through these all these mediums and just all this information that's coming at us the american mind i mean we we have all the superstars we have hollywood we have all of this you know rich culture but if you look at it down you know deep down it's like where do we find our true good morality in this i mean like where do we find our ability to move forward and make prudent decisions they're not doing this at big ucs I'm not seeing that there at Franciscan. We're, we're doing it all the time. It's amazing to think how, how just the the mainstream media has such influencing power on the American people. And it's because we're not educated properly. Franciscan. We are at those UCs. They're doing things like I stated before, and I'm not going to mention again because it's just not very appropriate. And so you can get a society to be, you know, um, 
yeah, seeing sex is only for pleasure and, and, uh, losing reason and losing your, you know, being guided by emotions because, um, you know, with, with the invention of contraceptives, you know, sex now has no, um, true consequences. And if it does have a consequence, you can abort the consequence. And, um, and, uh, when people become so addicted to their, their passions and their vices, and then you can give them a propagandistic enemy, right? The enemy is nationalism. The enemy is systemic racism. The enemy is global. The enemy is business interests. The enemy is people with money. It's rich people. Then you can easily feed them a simplified narrative of all of society being systemically evil. So you get them, you get them, uh, yeah, you give them their bread and their gratification. Then you give them their reason to live, which is overturning racist America founded on genocide. And then you've just produced a uh, a weak, cowardly, but easily manipulated and instantly controllable uh, person that comes out of a university. Totally addicted to vice and totally con- able to be controlled, right? The further you get into vice and the further you get into those, you're, you become more and more a slave to it. And, and this is something that Augustine and St. Paul very quickly, like whoever sins becomes a slave to sin. Actually, I believe John says that in, in, in his first letter. Um, you become a slave to sin and a slave obeys its masters. And if you can, <laughs> if you can promote these things in university, you can, you can make them slaves you can make people slaves to all the lies that you promote, right? Your problem and your vices are really due, and the fact that you haven't, you know, conquered the world is really due to systemic racism in the United States and the uh, <laughs> and Trump and the Republican Party, and and like we're producing armies out of these universities, armies of disgruntled, non-productive. Uh, cowardly but emotional i don't even know what, what i want to finish that sentence with producing an army of them <laughs> and yeah. they've been and this is it's not like we haven't known this it's not like we haven't known this like this has been going on for a while it's a running it's, been it's going a running on narrative a long time. Yeah, it's a running narrative yeah, yeah. i mean like, and, and this is this yeah. is standard all across america in, in big universities like the way the way to completely change a culture is to get the younger gener- first of all is to teach the younger generation none of the traditions that you you value right because if an older generation fails to pass on what it values then the culture will instantly f- flip because then the younger generation will determine for themselves what they value um and if you can convert all the younger generation to just say the lines of all the crazy stuff we see on these these college campuses, then um, then you've completely succeeded in changing the culture according to your norms, right? It's it's a re-education well, it's yeah. policy. It's a re-education policy. Like all these, uh, like China and Russia and the other ones who have done complete communist takeovers, they all did a re-education campaign. Any old people, old thinkers, politicians, free-thinking people were sent to the gulags or were censored. And everything else for the younger generation that they received was total indoctrination, mm-hmm. right? The same, like nothing's new under the sun. George Orwell saw it and he wrote it in 1984 with doublethink and whatever else. You just re-educate the newer generation. And um, like you were saying, I think Franciscan 
it, there's a reason why we exist in Steubenville and not, uh, you know, in 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 Los Angeles or Fair. Midtown New York. Like, uh, <laughs> it's because we have to be out there. You know, we got to mm-hmm. be out in the middle of Steubenville, Ohio. We can't be. Caller. Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing Notre Dame's insignia here, but like they they play into that as well. You know, they did the Land of the Lake statement. Um, like, are they really like they they just exist they're they're catholic but they exist within um you know they have all the same problems that these big universities have and they're not promoting a a true catholic culture in any sense of the word completely right maybe they'll have mass but do people really go i mean they promote um i mean they, football we did a mass, whatever yeah. i mean we went to mass there one time and there was like 10 people there maybe yeah and that so, chapel the- you know we, we've given up it, and, and hmm I mean, there's so many ways we could take this. We got about 15 minutes left. So, guys, if you have questions, uh, ACI, if you're not followed yet, please drop us a follow. Um, you will be added to the Tringus clan, the uh, Kellen Alex show. <laughs> really appreciate you. If you guys have questions, things you want us to cover before we wrap up in 15 minutes, please let us know. Um, but, I mean, so one thing I want to get to. So, um, for, for our viewers out there, sorry, I kind of announced that Father Nick was going to be on the podcast tonight. Um, he's going to be on the podcast next week. He actually was doing solemn vespers and benediction, which is a convenient excuse, but, uh, <laughs> but he'll be on the show next week. Um, so God bless him. He's doing God's work, hearing confessions, doing benediction, doing vespers, sung vespers. Actually, I think he's singing him. So that's pretty cool, but he'll be on the podcast next week. So we're really excited to have him. Um, but yeah, thank you for the follow Asia. Welcome to the clan. <laughs> Welcome to the clan, big fella. The Tringuses. We're we're on <laughs> Thursday night, six to eight p.m. So uh, that's Pacific time for us West Coast liberals. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I want one thing I really wanted to talk to Father about is you know what we're seeing in the church acceding to this kind of liberalism, acceding to um, whatever else. I mean, there was a real struggle. I, I'm thinking <clears throat> back to Pope Paul the Six, actually who came out with Humanae Vitae in a time when, like what you were saying about, you know, the sexual stuff that's going on at UC um, Santa Barbara, Paul VI stood up and said, contraception, we're not, we're not going to allow it. There was significant resistance. I mean, there were cardinals, Cardinal Daniels from Belgium, who actually came to Paul VI and said, you need to accept contraception. The whole world's going to accept it. Like, you don't need to stand in the way of progress. Um, I mean, it's... But he he did. He, he stood in the way. But to a large part, if you ask people who are a little bit older, um, like, did you ever talk to a priest about contraception? And many of them, when they talked to their local priest or whatever, when they did, said, don't worry about it. It's not sinful. Use it. Whatever. Like, there was a whole generation of Catholics who just got from their local pastor, whatever, contraception's okay, whatever else. Like, we've seen time and time again, and American Catholics are so... There's three groups. They're either ridiculously sick of it, they don't really pay attention, or they're Catholic in name only, and they really are just like liberals or whatever else. Um, but we've seen it time and time again: the church not stand up to anything that the you know the world has really been promoting. And like the question I want to ask Father Nick: like, how did we get to this point where Vigano writing this letter that's very, you know, oh, it's conspiratorial, it's Trump, it's whatever, but like to a Catholic who's tuned in, it's like, amen. 
That's what a holy pastor saying. And then on the other side, you have, you know, the Pope saying like Trump trying to build a wall is, is, uh, you know, racist and all this other stuff. It's like, there's such a disconnect. be building walls. We should be building bridges. That I think that's what Pope Francis said. Vigano put in his thing too, like, like there's a deep state, there's a deep church. And the deep church is, so <laughs> here's another one, right? Cardinal McCarrick, who is now Mr. McCarrick. Screw that guy. Still in Nebraska. <laughs> He's the one that that brokered the deal between the Chicoms and Pope Francis with regards to the Chinese Communist Church. Shoot. Communist Catholic Church. Chinese Communist Catholic Church. It's Communist Catholic Church. But the underground Catholics in China had been, um, you know, underground for generations because the, you know, the communists saw the Catholics as being against the party. And so they set up their own Catholic church and they appointed their own bishops. Cardinal McCarrick was the one who brokered with Pope Francis to basically say that that communist set up bishops are actually Catholic and in union with the Pope. And the underground church was no longer allowed to exist. Mm -hmm. Like, how did we get to that place where the Pope would deny his authority over China and over, you know, over the Chinese, um, the Catholics who are in China? And just say, like, how did we get to that point? How did we get to the point where Cardinal McCarrick was the highest prelate in the United States and was a systemic uh, homosexual predator against seminarians? How did we get to the point where the vast majority of priests in the United States were not opposing the sexual revolution and were, in fact, allowing people to use contraception? How do we get to the point where the Eucharist became, you know, you had con celebrations with Protestant ministers at Franciscan University? This did happen. How do we get to the point where, how do we get to all these points where the church just acceded to these things? And there, there's so many different interpretations. And I think there's a, there's a large number of people who say, well, it was because we changed the liturgy. It was, beca- it was because of Vatican II. It was because of these things. But like, we're seeing this distinction between the deep church, you know, the ones who are just supporting whatever is out there, right? I mean, the USCCB saying we're shutting down all masses, right? Right. This is something we've talked about before, like the fact that we shut down all these masses, and uh, and and then this, like, you know, it'll pop up ever so often in some areas of people saying the church doesn't stand for this at all, and we're we're going to stand up for our rights as Catholics. Like, how do we get to this? I don't know. I I don't know how we got there. I mean, it's. It's like I said, it's a slow degradation of, of our morality, I think, and our, and our, you know, and our positive thinking. Um, it's, it's gotten to the point, like you said, where we're becoming appeasing. Like we're, we're giving in to certain things. We're becoming soft. You know what I mean? We're becoming soft. We're losing our, our firmness, our fortitude in our, in our Catholic faith. Like to the point where people, I mean, how can a cardinal or a priest be sexually abusive to seminarians? I mean, if somebody told me that they think that the Catholic church is a disgrace because of that, are they wrong? I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're right. And, you know, it's, it's gotten to the point where we we just, we give in to this. Like we, we, for some reason we're losing it. Like we're not becoming, we're not as firm as we were. You know, think about the traditional Catholic church. My gosh. I mean, where has it come from? It's come from globalism. It's come from us learning to become cooperative 
with <laughs> with with these global powers. I mean, like yeah. the Catholic Church is the one true church, one true faith saving church. Mm-hmm. And for us to to create, I guess, good relationships, like to, I mean, wouldn't you jeopardize a relationship if it was toxic? I mean, what the heck? You want to keep a toxic relationship? <laughs> That's too Why would good, you not? Dude. Like what? <laughs> like when did we when did we learn to become like this? Wouldn't you when jeopardize you... a relation? Yeah, like if it's so toxic, I think that's the greatest way to put it. Like the church it's wanted like... to have this like lovey-dovey relationship with an absolute beast of a uh, a beast of a uh, uh, spouse of the modern world, and thought this will work out if I just you know trust enough, and then has gotten slapped around, and just basically says whatever. You know, and, like, and that analogy, like, yeah. Kellen, that analogy, Kellen, is the exact one that John uses in Revelation, right? <clears throat> that, yeah, it's, it's the whore of Babylon. It's the idea of, and, and this is, a you know, it's one that um, the prophet, not Joel, what's his name? Starts with an H. But um, he uses the, so does Elisha, so does all these other prophets. He uses this analogy of a, a whore who does not... Um, who basically does not stand up for the church needs to stand up for herself and what she believes and not just give way to whatever the nations want. And we're seeing this happen. Um, whatever, you know, the UN says, you know, that the church parrots all of a sudden we're caring about climate change and immigration. And it's just like, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to save the world? Are we trying to say exactly what the world says? But trying, are we trying to save souls? Or are we trying to save the world? You know, it's like, like, what are we, what, what are we doing? What are we Have doing you seen now? that sport? It's a sports center guy. He goes, what are we doing? <laughs> That's how I feel. Literally today, today I was online and I was a friend of mine, Marita Ostrich. She, you know, Marita, yeah. you know Marita, right? Mm-hmm. She's on the soccer team. Yeah. Um, she had put a post, I think it was, it was probably like a good two months ago or something, but when a, she had heard a shirt saying that porn kills love mm-hmm. and she's been getting backlash lately on Facebook saying, well, porn doesn't kill love. How could porn kill love? And people are saying, porn, you know, I don't think it kills love. You know what I mean? I don't think it, it corrupts that. What the heck is it then? I mean, what is love then? I mean, I, I don't get this. Like if, if porn doesn't kill love, like then what's the point of love? Like, is love porn then? Like, is that what it is? Like, should our loving relationships be based off of like pornography? Like what? I don't, I don't genuinely don't get it. Why somebody just, they don't even think they're like, Oh, you know, porn, it it can't kill love. You know what I mean? It can't kill love. It's a, it's a love of emotion and feelings. Like, first of all, you have no idea what true love is. You have no idea what true love is. True love is sacrificing yourself putting your needs in front of somebody else's in front of your spouses. That's true love. These people are just messing with their emotions all the time, doing terrible things. And I just, I don't, and that's what we're talking about. It's the liberal media coming in and distorting these views so that young Americans can take them in like that. And And that's why here's the added evil is the church says it, you know, the hierarchs, they say the exact same stuff. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't fight. So on issues, they're not able to fight publicly. They don't. And, and, 
Uh, so let's say like, when was the last time you heard, you know, a, a homily against pornography or a homily against contraception or a homily against, you know, yeah, you got to think know, in right? private, if somebody comes to a confession, you know, they're not going to say, uh, you know, challenge somebody on that. Or, you know, you'll even hear of people saying, or they go to confession and they say, I've used contraception or something like that. And it's like, don't worry about that. It's not sin. Like, how it's, did we, they're, they're telling, it's, yeah. it's, like it's a unwillingness to fight. Hear. Yes. Like, it's like telling the people what they want to hear, but not spreading the truth. We should be spitting the truth at everybody we know. We should be telling, because tr- the truth is what's going to set us free. That's what it is. People it's trying to make that. people, it's basically saying, look, I know that you're weak and that you couldn't handle it if I told you the truth, so I won't. And then further, you would be happier if you just didn't try. It's it's basically denying grace. It's denying that living the Christian life, like you can actually, that it's actually possible. It's it's, it's, it's almost a pseudo Protestant position. I mean, the Protestant position ultimately degrades, de, you know, denigrates into you know different atheistic propositions and and uh, and liberty without bounds. Um, but it's basically saying, look, I don't believe, you know, it's saying I don't believe you could truly live a Christian life because I don't believe grace is operative. Like, I don't actually believe these priests who aren't, you know, in these these hierarchs who are focusing on social issues instead of saving people. They're basically saying, you know, what we really need to do is not save souls and transform the world into Christ's kingdom, but solve social issues and solve real world stuff. Because grace really doesn't have any operation. It can't really change people. You mean... Like, you mean the sacraments actually give you grace that you can go and live a holy life? No, that doesn't really actually exist, right? You know, we're not going to challenge you on those things. You would be happier not trying to s- struggle for v- virtue, but being accepted as as basically accepted as fallen and accepted as, well, you're just going to do evil things, so Product don't device. worry about it. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, um, they think it's love of humanity. They think it's, well... It's more loving, this is the, the mindset, it's more loving not to point out the faults and just be accepting of people who, as who they are. We're just like, like the devil's like, sweet. You he's mean like, they're going to continue like, to be evil? He's like, no, yes. but seriously, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm corrupt. I'm even corrupting the Catholic church. I'm corrupting hierarchs up. And I'm like, I mean, he's like, he's got a serious hand and what's going on. I mean. It's just the Catholic church in my, I mean, there's, it's going strong. Right. But here's the thing, like it, it has taken a lot of damage these, this past couple of years. Self-inflicted. I mean, it, it's self-inflicted damage. And, and you know, yeah. and fueled by media who wants to see the church dead. And I mean, mm-hmm. she's de facto dead by, you know, her own admissions, um, <laughs> you know, saying, <laughs> Vigano points it out, like we need to shut down masses. Look, the, the the Catholic people cannot exist without the hierarchy. We live and die by them. They, they're the ones who baptize us. They're the ones who give us Christ in the Eucharist. They're the ones who will be there at our funerals to give us, you know, be there at our last breath to give us last rites. And so we live and die by them. We have to obey them and follow them. And, but when they just so, when, when they say no Easter for you, <laughs> no Easter season for you, right? Because of uh, an exaggerated principle, or they tell you, you know, these things aren't really sins and just be happy. And they don't stand up for the rights of the church and whatever it's, it, um, 
it really leads you to, you know, a kind of despair of like, where, where are the saints? Where are, where's like what it means to be Catholic? Like, what does it even mean to be Catholic anymore? Like, what do we stand for? Do we stand for anything different than just what the world stands for? Are we really striving for anything? And it leads to a type of despair. And I think that type of, I think that's what is driving lots of people out of the church is what do we stand? We don't really stand for much at all. We're kind of a self-help group for boomers. And it's like, (laughs) and, uh, and, you know, what is more important than the salvation of souls? And that's the mission of the church. That's what Christ has has given her to do. And us as laity, we have a true role to play, but the power of the hierarchy is, is immense. And it's, it's for good reason, right? It's, it's what Christ intended. And uh, yeah, we really need to pray for our bishops and pray for for people like Vigano who are stepping up and stepping into the fray and taking flack and and um, and saying the truth. We gotta yep. we gotta join our voices with theirs and and uh, and join our prayers really with theirs. We gotta unite. We gotta unite against the evil man. We gotta unite against the evil one that's really trying to put his power and persuasion onto us over everything. He can overcome it. We have the ability to overcome it. We just gotta make that choice. We do. We absolutely can. We do. And um, this has been a phenomenal podcast. Just a blast. We, I think we covered tons of... It's great. It, it gets better and better, guys. Every week it gets better it gets and better. better. Guys, the Kel and Alex show is only getting started. We're getting better and better. You guys tune in. Week by awesome. week. Week by week. Um, guys, thank you all so much for watching this edition of the Kellen and Alex show. Thursday night, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time, 7 to 9 p.m. Mountain time. 8 to 10 p.m. Central Time, and wrapping it up 9 to 11 Eastern Time for all you Eastern Tringances, West Coast, Best Coast. Let's get those in chat. West Coast, Best Coast, <laughs> coast in chat. Um, but anyways, uh, next week we will have Father Nick Larkin of the Diocese Special of Denver. Guest, guys. Special guest, We will be interviewing <laughs> He's him. He's going to be good. Uh, so we're really, really excited about that. Um, young priest on fire for the faith, traditionally minded, <laughs> has a lot of very interesting thoughts about um yeah where the church is today um about the world about you know and and he's dedicated his life to serving that mission of saving souls couldn't be with us tonight unfortunately because he's doing vespers and benediction and confession so (laughs) what a good man a good excuse for a fine man Uh, good excuse uh, (laughs) anyways guys thank you so much for watching and um god bless you and uh have a very good night Peace out, everyone. Peace.